G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. More disturbing stories coming out of China. Authorities in China have, and this is just one of the more recent detailed articles, China authorities have detained two Christian ministers of Beijing's largest house church. Jiafu Kui and Chunzi Huang are ministers of Zion Church in Beijing. They were arrested several weeks ago. The authorities released Jiafu 10 days later, but Chunzi remains missing. Now, police confirmed Chunzi's arrest when her sister inquired about her unexpected disappearance. Well, the authorities told her Chunzi had been moved to a detention centre to serve 10 days and sources have yet to hear of her safe release. After refusing to install government CCTV cameras, authorities forced the church to close. But the congregations continued to meet in secret and leading to the recent arrests. Let's get some insights into all sorts of developments that are going on in China. Mike Gore leads Open Doors in Australia, wonderful ministry, supporting the persecuted church in so many contexts around the world. Mike Gore, a special welcome back to 2020. Neil, it's good to be here. Always love being on your program. Well, Mike, it's always a serious thing when we're talking about persecuted Christian believers around the world. A focus today in on China, that doesn't mean we can't, you know, venture into other issues around the world, but this is one of the latest details that have been made available. Authorities in China, these two ministers, Beijing's largest house church, how were you feeling when you heard this development? Yeah, look, I think that um, for us, China has been increasing or escalating in persecution now for the last couple of years. So in many ways, Neil, it's unsurprising, but it still is shocking. So it's one of those kind of polarities, I guess, of working with the persecuted church is that these instances of persecution are always shocking, but sadly, they're unsurprising in countries like China. We're hearing all sorts of stories and often economic stories. Even our Prime Minister today is uh, involved in, you know, some more challenges to say to the rest of the world, time to stand up to China. China is changing even as we speak. But when we're focusing in on this persecution issue, uh, this has been really developing to the point where it's recognised there's a crackdown on Christians in China. You've got the world watch list, Mike, and there's been movement there. China's been moved way up the list, hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. In the last three years, it's gone from number 43 on the list to number 17 on the list. So an incredible escalation in persecution of Christians. Um, It's basically, essentially, you touched on it before, Neil, but it's the Communist Party basically taking control of all religious matters in the country And that means churches are monitored, raided and shut it down, particularly if they're refusing to install CCTV cameras. So, you know, it's estimated China's got around 570 million CCTV cameras. 
and many of those are installed around religious venues. And so what we're finding, Neil, is that churches that refuse to install cameras are often um, met with, with a fairly strong response from the government or the Communist Party. Well, this is what Big Brother looks like when you talk about the Chinese Communist Party. And when you start to use figures like that, Mike, uh, an estimated 570 million CCTV cameras and many of those installed around religious venues. And some people might be saying, well, what is the government, what got to do with, you know, people worshipping God. Isn't that just a nice little benign thing that people do? But this is one of those things, isn't it? Uh, then when you've got people who give their allegiance to God, their allegiance away from the controlling Communist Party uh, is diverted. Is this one of those reasons we might think about the persecution of Christians because of fear from authorities like the Chinese Communist Party? That's one of the reasons, Neil. So Xi Jinping is um, obviously historically communist. Okay, now that that's one reason. Elements of control. The other reason is that China, in particular, has a strong response to anything that is not a, I guess, Chinese religion or Eastern expression of um, religion. Now, Christianity is viewed as a Western expression of religion. It's viewed as an American expression of religion, and so. In some ways, sometimes, most of the attempts to suppress or stop the forward movement of Christianity are both an element of control from the Communist Party and an element of stopping Western infiltration, I guess you could call it, into their society and culture. And so it's kind of both of those things coexist to, to really make, um, I guess, the pressure upon, upon the church and upon Christianity great. Interesting, isn't it, when you draw attention to the idea that Chinese people might see Christianity as a Western or a American expression of religion, when in actual fact uh, we can point that back to uh, Israel and the Middle East and uh, the home of Christianity in that sense. Uh, but it is interesting because when you start to make a comparison between the Chinese economy and the economy of the West, and especially the US, as you say, you have this socialism versus capitalism all coming into there too. Do you think that somehow rather Chinese authorities uh, would often see this even as a, you know, as a political uh, polarization on those ends of uh, of socialism versus capitalism. Yeah, I do. I think they're always all the play. I think one of the, the great challenges of religious freedom around the world is the, um, the proximity and the use of, I guess, politics, economy, and a few other things in the argument of religion and the impact of religion. And so it's one of those really complex matters. But ultimately, as we said before, um, it is so funny of a religion that finds its origins in the Middle East as such um, that the notion over those last I don't know, 2,000 years or whatever it might be is, is such a Western white um, impression of Christianity. Now, to be clear, it's not all, all Chinese people that think this. It's predominantly communist parties, people who are not associated with an understanding of faith in Jesus or the origins of Christianity. And so you're right, over somewhere along those years, socialism, um, sort of formed its way into it and all the other things that come with the um, the alignment of politics and economies and faith. Yeah, it's very, very complex. Mike, let's come back to that Zion House Church in Beijing and the two ministers who were arrested and one's been released 10 days later, the other one remains missing. 
Now, when you have this sort of authoritative control, is this something that you've been able to monitor over the years, uh, that oftentimes people go missing and they are never seen again? Is that sometimes the normal? Absolutely, and it's not just indicative of China. I know um, many of your listeners will remember Pastor Raymond Coe in Malaysia, a very, very similar story, um, taken and, and his family still don't know his whereabouts now years and years later. So sadly, it is um, it is a common um, thing. People can vanish without a trace, and, and it seems so strange that in a country of 570 million CCTV cameras that you can you can vanish without a trace. Let's talk about the church because when we say house church here in Australia, of course, we're thinking of uh, well, we have home church at our place. We have. Half a dozen people turn up. Sometimes on a great night, we'll have a dozen and a wonderful conversation and we fill our living room. But when we talk about a house church in Beijing with 1,500 members, uh, some people are surprised a little bit by that. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here for listeners who are trying to make sense of what we're talking about in China, that, that there is a house church movement in China, which is absolutely huge. That's right. And so for us, and for listeners, it's one of the things that I actually learnt a lot, Neil, when I first started at Open Doors, because like you and like many of the listeners, I was thinking, 1,500 people, how do you meet in a house? Like, how does that work? But actually, there's in China, there's two main churches. There's what's called the Three Self-Patriotic Movement. Essentially, I guess the most, um, the simplest way to, to articulate that is it's a government-controlled church. Okay, now... Um, then there's what's called the underground church, or the house church movement of China. They're churches that are not willing to align to um, the Chinese Communist Party and to follow those kind of um, blurred lines in preaching the gospel. So there's the house church, although it's big and it's large, it's not actually meeting in houses all the time. It can be meeting in different areas. It's just um, the church that is not aligned with government. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And of course, when we talk about a three-self-patriotic movement, uh, those official government churches, they'll be the first ones uh, to accept uh, even a rewritten Bible account, uh, which actually celebrates communism, which, uh, as I understand it, has been one of the movements in China to to try and change the way church even thinks about communism. And then, of course, you have these house churches that would be a little more difficult to infiltrate like that. But what are your thoughts for those sorts of developments and the control that comes in so significantly and uh, pervasively from the Communist Party? That's right. I think, you know, it's one of the things that we we see with the, the Chinese Communist Party is, and communism in general, is that element of control. Now, it controls everything. It controls your whereabouts. Where you go, I mean, it monitors everything you do and naturally it monitors um, your ability to freely worship God in this sense when we talk about Christianity. And so that that increasing level of control and the escalation over the last three years in particular, um, we've seen incredible number of churches who have crosses pulled down from the front of them. We've had um, churches raided. All sorts of things are happening in China based around this desperate need for greater control. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 
We're talking about China. We're talking about a crackdown from the Chinese Communist Party on Christian churches. You might have your own expression. You might have a comment, a thought, a question. 1-800-316-316. And you can also respond to our question on Facebook today, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Mike Gore leads Open Doors in Australia. And Mike, let's talk about the Chinese church Overall, because over the past 30 years, and some will say since Tiananmen Square, the church has just, uh, you know, just uh, ex- exponentially grown. How do you uh, look at numbers of Christians in China and compared to their overall population? Yeah, that's a great question. So, as many of the listeners know, I mean, China is a huge country when it comes to population 1.4 billion people. Now, from our research and understanding, there's just under 100 million Christians in China, 96 million to be exact. Um, that's an amazingly large church. Now, proportionate to the population, it's still incredibly small because they just have such a huge population. And as you said, what we've found is over the many years, the church has exploded in China. I remember one story here, which was um, it sort of stuck with me from my time at Open Doors. And I was... Uh, from a friend saying to me that they used to, um, every year on the anniversary of Mao Zedong's death, they would um, celebrate by sort of having a drink in his honour. And I thought, that is so strange. What, like, I, I thought he was a horrific leader. But as we talked to these people, they said, well, the challenge is, Mike, Mao Zedong taught the Chinese people to worship. And I thought, well, tell me more about that. And they said, well, he um, had, had painted himself to be God a god, right? But they said the moment he died, many of us realized he wasn't, and therefore we went searching for God. And so it was an incredible sort of, as a persecuted church has a beautiful habit of doing, is turning your lens on stuff. They said, so we thank him, because he taught us how to worship and sort of catalyzed the explosion of the gospel in that country. So when you've got the human leader, uh, eventually, if you are in a socialist, communist state, uh, the human leader has to, at some point, if they are going to make an impact on the leadership of such a huge population, they have to actually assume some level of godlike status. A little bit like what's happening in North Korea, where you've got a godlike status with Kim Jong-un. And so there is this idea that, uh, that the leader in China... Uh, is so revered uh, that it's almost like a divine image. Uh, that's something that's pretty important. And and the obvious thing you've got to do if you are a socialist and you don't believe in the almighty creator God that we believe in as Christians, that somehow or other you've got to have some sort of alternative. Is that the way it sort of works? It's exactly, you nailed it. It's exactly the same as North Korea, okay? Now, so, so I guess North Koreans are taught to believe that Kim Jong-un is a god, right? Their their dynasty, their family. And so what we've found is there are, I mean, Christians in North Korea, and and many of them um, come to faith in Jesus simply because they start to believe and understand that, well, actually, they're not a god. So they go searching. I mean, they're conditioned under communism in many ways to live a lifestyle of worship, but devoted to their country or their leader. Now, if they can find freedom from that, it's one of the things I love to talk about, the cultural diversity of the church it's not measured on skin color near or sexuality or anything like that it's measured on one's ability to um, express a uniquely cultural style of worship without fear of retribution or retaliation when we see people 
come to faith from different cultural backgrounds and they apply all the tenets they have learned, either under communism or Islam, um, but they point it towards Jesus. It, it is a style of church that is so vastly different to what you and I are used to in Western nations. But there's something there's something electric about it and, and really invigorating to watch people who have spent a lifetime being conditioned to worship in a certain way now apply those um, th- those sort of habits and rituals to a faith in Jesus. Well, you know, when you have faith in Jesus, and sometimes I feel like Aussies undervalue our Christian faith, but when you start to compare the freedoms that we have here in a place like Australia to what happens in China, where Christianity is considered subversive because it's so powerful to have your faith in the uh, the transcendent king. You know, when we talk about the kingdom of God, so powerful uh, to have your faith in a transcendent king because it uh, then brings the earthly ruler under some level of uh, scrutiny and, uh, of course, accountability because we've got a divine heavenly king. And that's a really, really powerful concept. But if you are the socialist ruler, if you rule without the presence of God on your side, uh, then you have to control people. And uh, so the idea of Christians having their own king, their own God, uh, actually becomes very subversive and is a threat to the whole authority of the Chinese Communist Party. So it, it's really quite profound. And, uh, and really, it's not that difficult to get your head around that sort of thing, Mike. No, that's right. And it's, it's, so it's well, what you touched on there is so um, often the story with Jesus. He offers, uh, or faith in Jesus, he offers people freedom from often a deeply ingrained and well-established cycle of control. Now, Neil, within Hinduism, if you jump to India for just a moment, it's the same for people living under the caste system. They find freedom in Jesus and they find a hope in him. And so it sort of brings them out from under this element of control and it's one of the things that is so offensive about Christianity because governments say, well, hang on, you, you can't be outside of our elements of control. And so what they try and do, they naturally respond in trying to be more controlling because what they want to do is stop the forward movement of people finding freedom um, outside of their, their government-enforced control. So our freedoms in Australia, uh, hold tight, uh, don't let those go because the alternative is there will be a controlling influence uh, that will want to control every area of life. Just uh, quickly, just uh, only just a couple of minutes out from news, Mike, but you've got a church, a hundred million strong and growing and the idea that persecution actually uh, brings pressure on the church, and uh, this is the thing that uh, that's interesting here, and I'll get your perspective uh, just briefly, but the idea of putting pressure on the church often, and let's not uh, be blanket here, but often actually causes growth in the church. What are your thoughts here? It's grown to 100 million. Uh, there are those who are saying, don't stop the persecution. It's going to grow a whole lot more if you don't stop it. I think that um, I think we only have the Great Commission because of persecution. In fact, it was persecution that forced the gospel outside of Jerusalem. In, in many ways, you know, the early Christians behaved exactly the same way as I have for many years. It's, you get given this beautiful gift in Jesus, and you sit fairly comfortably with it in your own hometown, and then uh, go to church. Now, um, persecution has scattered the believers. And I remember one brother in Iran who was forced into jail for his faith said to me. Had I not been persecuted, the gospel would never have reached this prison. 
So I think persecution, Neil, it is the catalyst of growth because it forces the gospel into places it otherwise never would have reached. And it's the beautiful power and almost like the impact of persecution that results in growth because it drives the gospel out of comfortable places into difficult places. It is a fact of history, but at the same time, uh, there are those who will say, well, oh, well, bring on the persecution. Well, none of us wants to be under persecution. Uh, It would be the worst feeling to be under persecution. And so I do want to open our talkback lines. You might have your own insight to offer as we're talking about China, what's happening to the church in China. There's a good story, and alternatively, there's a harsh story with a crackdown on Christians. Lots more to talk about. Mike, as we talk about China, the persecution is, uh, it permeates through almost every area of society, even now firewalls uh, put up uh, you might think oh why can't people just go online and and hear all sorts of things but the Chinese Communist Party wants to control all of the information that Chinese people are receiving firewalls affects the church too what are your thoughts yeah that's right I think um, one of the one of the misnomers of communism or persecution and control is that sometimes it's only ever about um, or we think it's only ever about Christianity or Christians but actually the Chinese Communist Party, um, as you said, Neil, is controlling all spheres of life, okay? We talked about the CCTV cameras before, but the Great Firewall of China, as it's known, is basically the primary tool of the Communist Party. Now, it restricts Facebook, Twitter, anything that is, I guess, a Western social media. We talked about it before, that <clears throat> the, um, the control is often to stave off the advancement of Western influence within society and culture. So Xi Jinping very focused on ensuring the, the sort of fundamental Eastern expression of religion and culture. So everything they do is aimed at stopping that Western influence coming into their country. And to stop the Western influence, which shows its face in Christianity in China, the increase in raids the increase in harassment, and I imagine that's an intimidation factor. So uh, this would be intimidating churches, perhaps in the idea of, you know, don't say those things, close down, use the official Communist Party Bible, all sorts of things like that. So it's there's an intimidation factor in all of that? After the intimidation and fear. I think fear is a fantastic um, tool in conformity. Now, the, um, the, the three self-patriotic movement that we've talked about before, or the government-aligned church, it's one of those things that we would say, well, when you mess with the message, you have a really um, risky or worrying church model. Now, under communism, they almost say, look, you can preach God, but you must also preach love your country, for example. Now, soon enough, it becomes ambiguous when people are talking about great leaders um, are they talking about God or are they talking about, you know, the Communist Party? And so for for so many people, it's actually about um, making sure that when people are speaking publicly, they're, they're leading large groups of people, that they're not necessarily leading them away from the party. They're making sure that they're towing the line with everything the party stands for.
Okay, there's some responses on our Facebook question today. I might run a few of these past you, Mike, and uh, and we'll we'll pick up on any points that you might like to make. The question I've asked listeners today is: Do you think Aussie Christians should be concerned about a crackdown on Christians in other nations like China? Uh, one of those questions that came through: uh, What about the crackdown on Christians in countries like Canada, US, and Australia, with laws being passed to restrict what we are able to do? and say. There is an overflow of this sort of thing that happens even in what we might think of as democracies. Uh, what are your thoughts for someone asking a question like that? Well, look, I think it's a great, it's a great question and a question that we're getting more and more often. Now, there are, two, there are two answers, I guess, to this question. Number one is that the deterioration of values in society and culture, particularly around religious freedoms, it's a biblical story, Neil. Right? We, we read it in the Bible and we know that faith is going to get harder and harder and harder to outwork. So number one, I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm just telling our listeners and myself included that this is part of the outworking of the gospel story. We know it's going to come at a greater cost. I think as well, the other thing to remember is that persecution, as we learned from the Asian church, was that what they call the smack and the squeeze paradigm. Okay, Persecution, number one, it's not always violent and it's not always committed by Muslims. You've got It's that paradigm. At one end of it is smash. That's the violent outworking of persecution, and it is often indicative of the Middle East. But at the other end of that scale, Neil, you've got squeeze. Now, squeeze is far more prevalent in Asia and, to be honest, Western nations. It's where, I guess, outworking your faith becomes harder and harder and harder in society and culture. For Christians in Asia, they say it's a form of civil death. You're alive, but you're dead because... You can't, kids can't go to school. You can't get a job. You can't get access to healthcare. You're rendered to a life of abject poverty. And so when, when the question around Canada, Australia, the USA comes up, number one, yes, it's, it's happening. And more than that, it will continue to happen in the future. And number two is that it's far more in line with the squeeze element of persecution than it is the smash element of persecution. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Errol in Slacks Creek in Queensland. Hello, Errol. Welcome along. Oh, hi. Yes, I have a question for Mark. Errol, you might like to just turn that radio down in the background. I think that's causing a bit of interference there. Yeah, I just walked away from it, actually. Okay. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are from Mike. Uh, we have a lot of uh, sports people that go out to these countries to play sport, uh, like China and Pakistan and all these Muslim countries and China, that uh, if they say something wrong uh, to offend the people, you have to suffer with their, uh, their rules and regulations or what goes on. Okay, interesting point there. Uh, a sports person who arrives in a nation like China and says the wrong thing might be in trouble. Uh, a thought or two there, Mike? Yeah, Harold, great to hear from you. Thanks for the question. I think that um, you're right. There is um, there is a real wrestle, whether whether you're Christian or not. There's a wrestle going into many of these countries, whether it's Pakistan, as you mentioned, or China, and being um, very open or speaking against, let's say, religions, governments, and so forth. Now, in the moments that you do that, I think people will find that, yes, there's a strong response from local government. And so using wisdom is really important. One of the things I found, Errol, um, even looking at society and culture in Australia, 
is that there is a big risk that sometimes we actually chase persecution over chasing Jesus. What I mean by that is that um, when we probably should pause and use wisdom, we can find ourselves sometimes saying needlessly inflammatory statements and then sort of putting our hand up and saying, look, I'm being persecuted. I think as Christians, one of the things we need to be really mindful of is using wisdom in communication because our job is not to chase persecution. Our job is to chase Jesus, right? And then if persecution is a resultant of that, well, that's part and parcel of faith. Paul talks about it himself. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But we just need to be careful in a world driven by social media, Twitter, and all of the things that are aimed at making us say provocative statements. We need to make sure that we're not chasing persecution first, but rather actually sharing the love of Jesus, knowing that that may come at a cost. I hope that makes sense. Errol, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our talkback conversation. Some more responses on Facebook. The question we're asking today, do you think Aussie Christians should be concerned about a crackdown on Christians in other nations like China? Sonia says, concerned, yes, in the spiritual sense, more than physical. We are meant to pray for all the believers all over the world are our brothers and sisters, nothing less. Then Rob says, there's been a crackdown on Christians in various communist countries for years. Now the persecution has begun in Western nations, just as the Bible warned us about. Uh, question: Any thoughts there for either Sonia or Rob, uh, Mike? Yeah, look, first of all, Sonia, spot on. I think what a fantastic response. I mean, one of, our, one of the key things we need to do is pray. Pray for the global body of Christ, understanding the faith that comes at a great cost. Uh, it's a biblical story, persecution in many ways. It's a consequence of successful Christianity. Wherever the gospel is being shared, persecution will exist. But one of the keys to Sonia's um, statement and question, Neil, is that I think too, for too long we, we can see ourselves as part of a body of Christ in Australia and that there's one in, let's say, China or Pakistan. No, no, there's one body of Christ. We're all in it. And we're all in it together. And so I think prayer is so crucially important. And then for Rob, I think you're right. We're seeing an increase in the cost of faith in Western nations. But again, I think the wrestle for us here in the West is to make sure that when the pressure comes, we don't default to um, emotionally kind of fear-based responses. Again, we can't chase persecution over sharing Jesus. We need to understand, we need to pause, we need to breathe, and we need to share the love of Jesus with community, knowing that in a a deteriorating um, culture, so we would say we've moved from a Christian society many, many years ago to a non-Christian, but now we're living in an anti-Christian society. How do Christians live in that society? Well, we do it with wisdom, with grace and humility, sharing Jesus first, knowing that there will be a cost to following him, but our, go- our, our job is to not chase the persecution, it's to chase sharing Jesus' love. Mike, I know you like to talk about the lessons we can learn here in Australia from our persecuted brothers and sisters when we start to see a little more pressure coming on Christians as we are in Australia now. We're certainly learning a lesson here that there is a cost to putting Jesus first. And uh, when you actually do buck the trend uh, of uh, what a Communist Party might want to uh, install, or even now we've got all sorts of other players like Big Tech and all sorts 
of things and cancel culture that are, are, are attacking Christians, we can start to appreciate that there's a cost to our faith to being able to stand firm on truth. Yeah, that's right. And I think well, one, of the, one of the most common questions that are, um, I'm asked from a Western lens, Neil, uh, is about Christian values in society. Now, we're seeing some rapidly changing freedoms around sex and sexuality, around um, gender and identity. And often people say, well, you know, how, how is it that the government can, you know, let this happen, the deterioration away, a movement away from Christian values? I think the one thing I'm learning in there, or the two things actually, is one of the keys for the Australian church, and these are lessons learned from the persecuted church, as you mentioned, I think they're some of the greatest spiritual mentors you could ever want because they're people who by name have overcome the bonds of cultural oppression to remain courageously close to Jesus. And so lesson one is that discipleship of long-term Christians probably needs to be one of the key focuses of the Australian church over the next decade. And the reason I say that is because the custodians of Christian values in our society and culture, it actually doesn't fall, in my view, onto the government's shoulders. Looking around at these persecuted nations, the passing on of Christian values is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to the people within our care, whether they're people in our church community, our children, our grandchildren, our siblings, whatever it might be, the, the, the passing on of Christian values and the best way to preserve them for as long as we can is to understand that we are the custodians and it's our job to pass them on to the generations that come. As I think first and foremost is understanding that discipleship is crucial. We, we need to still think about evangelism, but I think probably more so than that is actually how do we keep particularly long-term, multiple decades serving Christians remaining courageously committed to Christ here with a lens to want to share it on to the generations that follow them and the believers that follow them. And, and I think that therein lies the, um, the way to best preserve Christian values in society and culture. Fabulous insight, great wisdom. Discipleship is a key. Let's take another call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Nick is on the line from St Albans in Victoria. Hello, Nick. Welcome. Hello. Good morning, uh, sir. With all my respect, I want to tell you a few things and, of course, be short as much as I can. I born in communist country that was Yugoslavia. I born in Serbia. And, sir, I know what communism and how they work. They promise you everything, but they give you nothing. My father worked for nothing uh, uh, in this, uh, uh, and he could not get from first to the thirty-first enough of food and, and buying the, 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 the house, the flat. Sir, I come in Australia in 1970 thinking that I'm going to make better life for me and my, my children. I mean, I, I was single. I, I married here. But Lord took me from my country for the hand through Austria. I come in here. I wait for six months in Austria. And uh, UNESCO probably brought me here. And uh, what I want to say about China is this. Our brothers and sisters are prosecuted there for a long time now. Government has to do much more than they do now. They do work for that, but we needed more from government, not only Australia, but USA and other governments in the world, because our brothers deserve to be 
to be uh, defend, defended. Nick, making a great point there. And uh, let's just put that to, to Mike, the idea that the government needs to play a role. Uh, somehow or other, we might think it's difficult for a government to defend freedom for Christianity. But uh, your thoughts for Nick, and what a great story. Nick, yeah, thanks so much for sharing your story. What an incredible story. And actually, more than that, the, the lessons that you've learned and are able to articulate and share is really profound and helpful. I agree with you. I think that um, government petitioning of religious freedom is crucial. I think that um, it needs to be done not just through the Christian lens. I think for it to have um, the greatest impact, we need to be speaking up on behalf of essentially all religions and encouraging a freedom of religion, um, a freedom for people to express religion, um, because I think that's the way you can have the most impact rather than just down one religious line. But I would agree with you. I think governments could be doing more. My hope is that um, we can um, see some advocacy work begin to happen and, and really start petitioning for the freedom of religion for people the world over. In many ways, Open Doors has been doing that for sort of 70 years now. Um, and it's a real passion of ours. Nick, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Although time is getting short, uh, just reflect quickly a couple more uh, responses on Facebook and encouraging listeners to uh, check out those responses on Facebook. Uh, you might be able to engage too with other listeners to our conversation. Ian responds to the question. The question, of course, do you think Aussie Christians should be concerned about a crackdown on Christians in other nations like China? Uh, Ian says... Uh, yes, especially since China is interested in territorial expansion. Uh, and then Stuart says 100% yes, as it will spread like vile, hateful cancer if we don't make a strong, uh, God-led stance against it now. So th- I'm not sure how that uh, will all uh, will all uh, fit together. But any thoughts for those two comments at all, Mike? Look, I'm not probably best suited to um, to answer those. We really mainly focus on the persecution of Christians and religious freedoms. I know that, as you can tell, just looking around at society and culture, there are a lot of um, views of China at the moment. And so, um, unfortunately, I'm not, not the expert you need to answer those ones. That's OK. Let's take one more call. Uh, let's hear from Steve in Parks in New South Wales. Hi, Steve. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Uh, g'day, uh, brothers. I, uh, I'm terrified of godless communism. Uh, the obvious, we cannot tell another government what to do. But I worry, is it time in Australia for a House on Un-Australian Activities Commission to be set up and the reintroduction of Menzies, Sir Robert Menzies' Communist Disillusionment Bill back into federal parliament? It was a very controversial referenda held in Australia in the 1950s, but it was overturned. I'm terrified of godless communism and the persecution of Christians. What's so frightening about the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Steve, I think a lot of people will be on side with you there, and uh, I'm not sure whether Mike is about to say that's uh, within his uh, ability to uh, give you a full answer there, but Mike, what are your thoughts for Steve? Yeah, look, again, I think... um you would, to be honest, Neil, I think you would be far more uh, better to answer that question than I am. 
Uh, well, let me just say that it would appear, and I don't have uh, statistics in front of me, but uh, young people are more open to uh, these issues around uh, communism and socialism. And, uh, you know, it might be uh, telling to think of uh, the way that there are developments and moving in the direction that we are uh, towards this left perspective when it comes to politics. And so uh, it might come back down to that discipleship necessity might because uh, we need to be able to uh, make sure that young people are instilled with an understanding of where all of these different, and it wouldn't matter what side of the political spectrum you might be on, there's a Christian stance uh, where discipleship is going to play the important role so that we can make sense of all of the changing political landscape. Uh, just uh, We're just drawing some uh, loose ends together here and we've got to end our conversation, mm. but any thoughts uh, just around young people here and getting a, a passion for the persecuted church? Because once you get a passion for the persecuted church, you do start to think about all of these different places on the political spectrum and what that means for Christians, well, I think that um, I think you've absolutely nailed it in the sense that what we're seeing is a far more socially minded and socially aware younger and next generation coming through. Now, as an encouragement to the listeners, I want to finish by telling you a story of my time in Central Asia. Uh, Central Asia is a country where it's illegal to preach the gospel to anyone under the age of sixteen. In fact, if you're caught with a colouring sheet and a scripture on it, you can be sentenced to prison for three years and charged with religious extremism. I remember sitting in the church of a friend of which he was senior pastor, and um, I noticed that during the service, he had been there a year before that, and it came back, and he wasn't leading the service. I thought that's strange. And anyway, halfway through, he, he asked the kids to leave, stand and leave and led them out. And, and I asked him about it later, and he said, Mike, it's easy to become a master when you're a servant. But a servant when you're a master is almost impossible. That's what makes Jesus so beautiful. He said to me, Neil, I've stepped down from running the church to run the kids' ministry because if anyone's going to go to jail, it's me. And then he paused and said, Mike, in the West, you look at kids' ministry as a glorified babysitting service. He says, but for me, it is the single most important and valuable um, investment I can make into the future of faith in my nation, and I will go to jail for it any day of the week. And so I hope for any listener here today, as part of being that custodian of values, the future of faith falls under the shoulders of the people who follow us, not the ones who have gone before us. Our investment into them through discipleship, mentoring, coaching, legacy building, that is ultimately what will raise a courageous generation of Christians. They're socially minded. They're socially aware. They're politically aware. Now our job is to make them spiritually aware. And so I think that's a beautiful way um, to leave the conversation today. Wonderful stuff. Great wisdom. I'll just say thanks so much to Steve uh, from Parks for his contribution today. You know, uh, when we talk about Aussie Christians and our concern about a crackdown on Christians in other nations like China, uh, I do note there's been, you know, a few of those responses have been often about, you know, how we're starting to appreciate what happens because we're seeing a little bit of extra pressure here but it's nothing compared to what people are going through in China and uh, just a special honour to the good work of the team at Open Doors they do such wonderful work 
uh, they keep us updated. They have the world watch list and we're able to talk about China. We're able to understand what's happening with the persecution that's going on and we're able to glean and learn from the experience that's going on in the Chinese churches. Uh, Mike, I know you've got your end of financial year appeal that's on and I do want to point listeners to Open Doors today. To connect with Open Doors, to become a prayer partner, to become a financial supporter, to get on their mailing lists and understand more deeply those things that are affecting the persecuted church, not only in China, but in the other 50 countries where there is persecution, those countries that are listed on the World Watch list. You can check out the World Watch list when you go on to the Open Doors website uh, in just a few moments. But it's opendoors.org.au. And uh, forward slash vision. And uh, you can be connected there as a vision listener uh, to what's going on in Open Doors. But, Mike, you've got your end of financial year appeal. Uh, Is this an important one for you this time of year? Neil, Neil, it's absolutely crucial to tell you the truth. I mean, and I'm sure all charities say that. But one of the things about Open Doors and for the listeners of Vision, whom we love so much, is that Open Doors' commitment is to the gospel. And more than that, the gospel advancing the world over it. One of the reasons we're not tax deductible and we're proud of it because we refuse to take Jesus out of our work. And so this sort of end of financial year, my hope is there are listeners out there who are saying, you know what, I want to stand up for faith around the world. I want to help people follow Jesus. I want to invest into the future of faith. I want to help people like that pastor who stepped down. So please, if you're able to and you're a listener, would love your prayer support. But more than that, this June, we desperately need your financial help too. Opendoors.org.au and forward slash vision. Mike Gore, always so good getting your insights. Thanks so much for sharing those with listeners today on 2020. Anytime, Neil. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 